0: We are going to go tonight back into our series on the home we've been looking at. Bless this home. We were asking God to work in our lives to um, show us these things from his word, to help us to build hearts and homes and families on the word of God. And tonight, I'm going to give a, I want to look at the scriptures. Like I said, we're going to flip through a lot of different scriptures. i to put them on the screen. You can You know, follow along. They're on the the handout, at least the references are, as you go through. And I give you a handout because I have a lot of things, a lot of notes tonight um, to go through uh, that I hope is helpful to you. And I just didn't want you to feel like you were trying to write the whole time and and keep up. Um, So tonight we're going to look at this idea of of heart to heart parenting. So many of you probably know that my background, um, before I came here, I was a youth pastor for eight and a half years. Um, So I worked, I wouldn't say exclusively, but for the most part with teens. And teen families, you know, sometimes that leaks over into other responsibilities and areas of ministry, but uh, we work pretty heavily with teenagers. And so um, teens and families of teens, and um, th- that's always been a passion of mine, and I appreciate so much um, those, there's some of our church, in our church who have jumped in, to kind of head up our youth group this year and uh, help make an impact in that regard, but um, the church is not responsible for raising our teens and our kids uh, the church comes alongside of these things, and um, this, this this message and the one that I'll preach in a couple of weeks are some things that, that kind of came out of my days as, as a youth pastor and as I'm sharing some things with parents about parenting teens, so the things I'm going to say tonight and in a couple of weeks pertain mostly to, to parents of teenage and, and, and older children, but um, understand that the things that you see in these passages start younger. It, if you start with the younger side, it's better. If that makes sense, um, you can implement these things into that. and And if you're a so if you're a parent of children. Um, If you have have older children, especially, these things probably going to be a little more will pertain a little bit more to you. You'll you'll resonate with some of these things. If you don't have older children yet, hang on, okay? They're getting older, all right. I promise you, they're getting older. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel that way. (laughs) Um, And then if you have maybe you're here, you're a grandparent of some teenagers, or you have people in your life, younger people in your life, you're connected to. I hope this will be a help to you as well. It's this idea of, of heart to heart parenting. Um, do you remember what it was like to be a teenager? How many of you try not to remember what it was like to be a teenager, right? Um, you may have some great memories of that time of your life. It has become increasingly a very busy stage of life, um, it's a very different stage of life because. You're not, you're not a little kid anymore, but you're not an adult either, and you're trying to navigate where you are in life and those things. Um, I remember um, there are some things about it that are very awkward, okay? So when I was a teenager growing up, um, I, have to, I have to preface this for some of our younger audience here. used to be you had these things in your home. They were called a phone, and they hung on the wall, okay? Um, I know you usually just carry them in your pocket now, Okay? But I refused as a teenager to answer the phone. and I would just let it ring because, and here's why, because I would pick up the phone, you know, and, hello, you know, and then the other voice, inevitably, almost every time on the other end, Becky, no, this is Andrew, right, you know. <laughs> so I just, I just refused, okay, to, to answer the phone. I hey, would we'll just let it go to the answering machine um, and, and we'll figure it out later. Uh, you know, so we have things like, like you know, you're, if you're, especially if you're a guy, you know, your voice is changing. Um, you go through these these growth spurts. Some of us, we're blessed to always be tall. We've never been short, okay? Others, you know, you, maybe that's something you struggle with as you were growing up. And I, like I said, I think many people just wish, hey, you know, that was great and all, but I just, the awkwardness of it all, I just don't want to go back to that point in life. But uh, we have to understand that our world has become increasingly aware in the last 10 to 15 years, uh, and, and maybe on that, of the power that teenagers wield. I mean, even just look at the the change that's gone on between the millennials and Gen Z to see that. Um, amazing, to, but it's amazing to think that, that in the last 50, 60 years or so, this idea of what a teenager is and what a teenager does and the power of that, that's, that's really come on strong in the last 60 years. I mean, before that, it was just, oh, you, just you got older and you went and worked and, and now we have this other stage of life. And sometimes as parents and sometimes as adults, you know, we don't know exactly how to handle teens. We feel like, well, they're not really little kids. Um, they they kind of have these big people thoughts, you know, but, but they're not really fully grown. And, and no longer is it so easy to, to work through and parent and control. I mean, I think of um, in our life, in our family, you know, we have Joanna. She's two. And we have Alyssa. She's eight months. And if they get into trouble, if they get into somewhere you don't want them to be, you know what I do? I pick them up and I move them where I don't want them to be. We have, um, if you, I don't know if you've seen Alyssa yet do this, but she's, she's starting to army crawl all over the place. I mean, she's just moving all over the place. And so we get the playpen out and I put her in there so I know that she's not going to choke herself on something that she's not supposed to have. But as your kids get older, that becomes harder. You can't just pick them up and move them somewhere, right? You have to, you have to approach it a different way. So the question becomes, what is my relationship as a parent to my older children or my teens? And a couple major yet wrong responses have emerged out of that. The one, the first, I call them parenting temptations. The first is this disengaged and very passive approach to parenting our children. The thought is this. As my children get older, they the end of their teen years, everything seems to be going okay. So, so parenting in that child's life is, is kind of coming to an end. Now, as a parent, as I just told you now, I'm a parent of, of four kids, and one of them's a toddler, and one of them's an almost crawler. I feel like, more often than not, we're in what we call survival mode as parenting And by that, I mean we're just trying to help them survive so that they get to the next stage, right? Um, But our kids, as kids grow up and enter their teen years specifically, we we can think, hey, we made it. I'm here to tell you, you have entered survival parenting mode in a whole different level. Because you're teaching your kids how to survive in a world that hates God. And you're teaching them what what it's going to take for them to be successful in the eyes of God. They have to own that truth. And passive parenting of teens doesn't end well. If you were to go, you don't have to turn there now, but if you went to 1 Samuel, you would read the very sad story of a passive, disengaged parent. This man's name was Eli. He was a priest. And he did nothing to control his evil, wicked, sinful sons who did blasphemous Awful things at the house of God. And eventually God said in 1 Samuel 3.13, For I have told him that I will judge his house, that's Eli's house, forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Passive parenting is not parenting. It doesn't work. And here's a guy who, who was serving God as the priest in Israel. He didn't restrain his sons. He didn't call them out. He didn't, he didn't show them their sin. And they paid the price for it. The other temptation, the other big temptation that comes out in life is not just being passive, but also, you know, hey, we're just going to be friends. You know what my team needs? They need me to be their buddy. They need me to come alongside them and, and, and be their pal. And I'm just going to tell you nothing can be farther further from the truth. Your Kids, you put them in, in a church situation, you put them in a, a school situation, wherever it is, your teens, they, they will make friends. Now, maybe not as many as you would have made or this or that, or the but they do have friends. Teens naturally gravitate towards other people. They're, they're very social. What teens need is they need a parent. They need a godly instructor during this time of great change. That doesn't mean that you can't be a friend, but it's not your primary role in life. The story is told of a photographer for a national magazine who was assigned to take pictures of a great forest fire. And he was advised that a small plane would be waiting to fly him over the fire. So the, fire, the photographer arrived at the airstrip just an hour before sundown. And sure enough, a small Cessna airplane was waiting. He jumped in with his equipment and shouted, let's go. And the tense man. Sitting in the pilot's seat, swung the plane into the wind, and soon they were in the air, though they were flying erratically. Fly over the north side of the fire, said the photographer, and make several low-level passes. The nervous pilot asked, why? He said, because I'm going to take pictures, yelled the photographer. I'm a photographer, and photographers take pictures, the pilot replied. You mean you're not the flight instructor? Our teens haven't made it to adulthood yet. You know what they need? They need an instructor. Just like that pilot didn't need a photographer. He needed someone to teach him how to fly the plane. Teens don't need you as a parent to be someone they can just pal around or pout with. They need a parent. And if you will not lead them, they will find guidance for their life somewhere. So the question becomes and remains, how do we effectively parent our children through their teen years and help them to successfully enter lives of adulthood? Because their lives are quickly filling up with activity. They've left behind a stage where you know some, you address things with a spanking or other types of discipline and that fixed everything, but instead they live in a world that's vying for their attention and they're becoming increasingly aware of what the world is and all it has to offer them. So how do we guide them through these challenges? And it's not enough to simply work towards or expect in our kids good behavior, We are not seeking behavior modification. We, our goal in the end is to teach our teens to love and want to serve their God. So the answer is we must pursue the hearts of our kids. We must pursue the hearts of our teens. The heart is the key to the teen years and is a battleground because Satan wants nothing more than to win the hearts of our teens and he will stop at nothing to do so. And so, therefore, we must be engaged in asking God to help us go for their hearts. If you turn to Proverbs 23, 26, you'll see this, that Solomon, in seeking to warn his son about sin, said this, My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. We want That to be the cry of our hearts, that our teens would give us their hearts so we can seek to teach them how to love God and relate to the world around them. Now notice what Solomon says here, that there's an action required here. There's the deal, hey, you give me your heart, but in so doing, you watch the way I live. And I will show you how to serve God. It's not, hey, you just follow me blindly into the abyss but hey, you, you allow me to teach you and I'm going to show you what it means to serve God. I'm going to be a good example. You, you're saying, in essence, I want to disciple you. And so we have to say with Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And if you know the story of Solomon, you know that even though he said things like this, he struggled with this as well. His own son split the kingdom. And I'm telling you right now, because he looked at his dad... And he saw a lot of things that didn't match up with what it meant to serve God. Not that that excuses anyone's actions and choices, but we can see the groundwork that's laid. One author said it this way, that the single greatest responsibility as a parent is to love God and to help our children to love him. So I want to talk tonight about heart-to-heart parenting. I have three things here. Grasping, guiding, and guarding the hearts of our teens. And what, we see, what I want you to see is the highest calling of parents is turning their children's hearts to the Lord in his ways. There are a lot of things That you can write down and say, as a parent, this is what I want to do. As a parent, this is important. As a parent, my kids need to get this. But I I think that, that, that you can boil it all down to the highest calling of parents is turning their children's hearts to the Lord and His ways. That's what you as a parent have to do. That's what I have to do as a parent. And if our kids walk away and make a choice... To not serve God. Because at the end of the day, they have to make a choice, right? May we be able to stand and say, I, I turned their hearts to God. I showed them who God is. I lived that. Maybe not perfectly, right? Because we're not perfect. But consistently. That has to be our goal and our mission. So let's talk first of all tonight about how do we, how do we grasp the hearts of our kids Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And I preached this verse over the last couple of weeks as we talked about um, the balance of godly parenting. But we have to understand if we desire to parent the hearts of our teens, then we must go after those hearts. And specifically, we must show our children that we want their hearts and that we can be trusted with those hearts. As parents, we must lead our children and not frustrate them. Paul addresses here, as we talked about, fathers specifically as the head of the home, but, but it applies to both parents, and we are, we are admonished to, to follow, to, to, to not provoke our children, but also to train them to, as we talked about last week, to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We are to bring our children up in a way that's pleasing to God through his love and disciplined instruction. And what we're doing as we do that, as we follow God... And as we seek to lead our children in a way to follow God, what we're saying to them is, I'm, I'm serving God. I want you to serve God with me. I want you to follow me. Now, one, that's the expectation that children are supposed to, to honor and obey their parents. But two, we, we then have that relationship with them where we show them that they can trust us with those things. And if we want to, to if we're going to do this, we have to be good children. We must be good children of our Heavenly Father. And so, you know what you can't grasp parts with? You can't grasp parts with anger. James 1.20 says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I know that probably I'm the only one. But maybe you've had this thought. You get upset about something. I'm going to make you righteous. It's the last thing I do. Right? that doesn't produce righteousness, does it? Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You cannot out-anger someone into righteousness. It doesn't happen. We have to show them the love and, and, the, and the grace, and we have to show them what, what godliness is. Our teens need to know that we love them. We, they need to know that we love our spouse. And most importantly, they need to know that we love our God. Do your children know that you love God above all else? Do your children know that you love God above all else? How so? How so? how do we show our children that we love God above all else? By just saying it? By just making sure we we show up at church a minimum number of times to make it happen? By doing some good things here and there? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. How do we show our children that we love God above all else? By living that life of following God. Think about it this way, I mean, just, just to give you a, a, something to chew on. When was the last time, parents, that your child caught, and I'm going to put caught in quotation marks, right? Okay, Caught you reading your Bible, spending time with God. Sad to say that our, parents might not, our kids may not catch us reading our Bibles because we don't read our Bibles. I'm not saying that we do it in a way that, oh, I want to make sure my children see that I read my Bible. But if you are consistently spending time with God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, right? Listen, I, I am 33 years old, and I can tell you without fail where my dad is every morning because it's been that way since the day I, I can remember anything. And my dad is up in the morning, sitting there, reading his Bible, drinking like three cups of black coffee, okay, because that's what it takes, right? And he's up earlier and earlier as the years have gone on. But I know where he is every, every day. Why? Because he wants to put on a show? No, because his because relationship with God is the most important thing in his life. I remember as a kid getting up in the morning and seeing my dad read his Bible and bringing my Bible to re- you know, read as I was little. You know, It didn't really always happen that way. And It's a challenge to our lives. You know, do, do our kids know that we love God above all else? God longs for the hearts of his children and he is the picture. And see, here's the thing. When you start talking about this and you start thinking about how, how we raise our kids and how we raise our teens to serve God, it's really easy for us to fall back on what we know because most, if not all of us in this room grew up in a home with our, with, with our parents or a parent figure of some sort. And so the easiest place we go To look to how to parent our kids is, well, how were we raised? Or, we want to raise our kids the way we weren't raised, right? And sometimes we say things like, well, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, I wasn't raised that way. I, I just really know. I don't really have a good background. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm here to tell you, my friend, that it doesn't matter if it's the way you were raised or not. We're seeking to instill in our children the heart of our Heavenly Father, not the way we were raised. And the way you were raised might be a great way and a biblical way. And there's some things there that you could take, or a lot of things you can take and and use. But at the end of the day, it's not about making them like me, it's about making them like God. And so at the end of the day, parenting books are great things. I like them, I read them. I'm going to recommend one to you tonight by the end of the night. But at the end of the day, this right here is how we raise our kids. This, you know, someone said, um, I've heard it before. And I heard it, I think, again this morning. Someone said, you know, hey, these kids don't come with a manual. I said, yeah, they do right here. There's the manual. We have to teach them to follow God. And listen, if we're honest, you and I don't want our children to become just like us. We don't want them to be like us. We know our faults and our failures and our sins and our struggles. We, we want them to, to, to if, we're, if we just put it at the basis level, we want them to be better than us, right? But I would tell you, being better than us isn't better. We want them to be like God. We want them to follow Christ. We want them to reflect him. So we must follow after God and seek to grasp the heart of our teens and then point those hearts to God. So, so we are the example of following after God. So how then do we grasp the hearts of our teens? There, there's several ways that we can do this. One is through prayer. The prophet Jeremiah, write, or, or God says through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33:3, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Nothing in the Christian life is accomplished without God, so we must cry out to God for help. And here are some specific ways that that we can pray in this regard. One, you can pray for yourself as a parent. That's where I think you have to start. You have to pray for your relationship with God, that he would work in your heart Pray for your relationship with your spouse, that, that, that God's love would be seen there. Pray for wisdom in dealing with your kids, with your teens. How many of you as parents have ever found a, come across a situation as a parent, and you're like, I was not prepared to deal with that as a parent? Anybody? Just me. Okay, great. Okay, Happens to me like every week, right? I was not ready for that. So what do we do? James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him... Ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. Listen, raising kids, raising teens—that can be a, a trial. It can be a hard thing that we go through in our lives. So we need to—we need to seek God's wisdom in these things. Pray for, you know, things like—I I say it this way: pray for supernatural insight. I'm not saying anything spooky here, but I mean—I'll just tell you what I tell my kids. My wife and I say this all the time. We pray that if you do something wrong, God won't let you get away with it. Whether that means it comes out, you know, in conversation with us, or or we find out it from somewhere else, we don't want you to sin and get away with it. Well, thanks, Dad. No, trust me, <laughs> it's what you want. You want God to be working to, to teach our to teach, help teach your kids that, that we can't get away with sin that God has a, has a price for sin, that God has a standard set forth. And pray that God will use you in the hearts and lives of your kids. Second, don't only pray for, for yourself, but pray for your child. And as a parent tuned in to your child, you should know what areas of their life to pray specifically for. And oftentimes there'll be things that maybe your kids don't even realize that they're struggling with yet. They do need to hear from you as a parent, but they also need God working in their lives individually. That's why if you go all the way back to the beginning of the series, I started with that message, the most important relationship in your home and it has to do with your relationship with God, each person individually. That's what we're praying for here. Pray for their tenderness and openness towards God, his word, and his leaders. God has placed in our lives, he, he is, he, we have God, we have his word, but he's also placed spiritual leaders in our lives to help, in our, to direct our path. And you know who the primary spiritual leader is in the life of your teenager? It's you as a parent. And so they need a proper response to you, a godly response to you. But then you should go beyond that and pray, pray for their friends. Pray for the choices they're making in regards to friends. Pray for their their schedules. How many of you um, I I live by this phone, you know, all week? I have this calendar on my phone, and I live by this thing almost. It's it's almost sad, right? How many of you live the same way I do, though? Like it's in the calendar. You got this meeting, you gotta be this place, you gotta be that place. And and I'm telling you, especially when in a couple months here when baseball season hits and we got two playing ball, it's it's every night. There's somewhere else we have to be. Let's open the schedule. Let's pray over it. Let's pray for God's direction. Let's pray for God's safety. And let's pray for these things that that God would use these in their lives. Pray for them to, to exercise great discernment in their lives and to grow in that discernment. I think I have here on your sheet, if not, uh, maybe mark it down, but Psalm 72. Psalm 72, um, many agree that, that it says at the beginning, a psalm of Solomon. Many agree that that doesn't mean that Solomon wrote that psalm, but that David prayed this psalm specifically in regards to his son Solomon. So if you want to see an example of a prayer of someone for their child, uh, I would point you to that, maybe spend some time uh, meditating on that. And then third, not only pray for yourself and for your child, but pray with your child. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I would tell you, if at all possible, especially as your kids come into their older years, again, starting this at younger, younger will make it easier to continue doing it, but as your kids are older, elementary, they come into their teen years, that you need to make an effort to take time to pray with your teenager every day. They need you to show them the importance of prayer in both of your lives. Um, right before we moved to Michigan, Caleb was in kindergarten. And every day I had the privilege of driving him to school. He was going to kindergarten at a Christian, local Christian school, went for, for half a year. And every day, uh, we prayed for his, for, for different classmates of his, and, and for the day, and for at that time, we were praying about where God, would, what kind of, what church God was going to send us to. So we were praying for, for you long before we even came here, and, and that was just a sweet time of he and I just taking time to pray together. Don't worry, I was driving, but I kept my eyes open when I prayed, okay? Um, Atlanta traffic's pretty crazy, you got to, you know, keep an eye out, but it was an amazing thing that God used in our lives. And, and I, I don't know about you. I struggle with prayer sometimes, okay, more often than sometimes. I struggle with what to pray with and how to, or what to pray for and who to pray with and this and that and how often do you do it. And I have to work through those things. And with our kids, we need to show them the importance of prayers in both, of prayer in both of our lives. And you know what? Group prayer is good. We, we do family devotions and we pray together there. But I'll tell you the ideal thing is to sit down with your, with your, with your, with your kid. And I would say, if you have multiple kids, you know, mom's praying with daughters and, and dad's praying with sons, I mean, if, if possible, and, and pray one-on-one. And, and, and you say, well, when do we do that? Right, I've always found that right before they go to bed is a great time. Because everything's kind of winding down, and it's a great time just to sit down with them and, and just take a couple minutes. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be this, you know, tonight I have a devotional prepared on prayer, and we're going to pray. No, be real. Sit down and pray. And more than that, look at them and say, hey, what can I pray for you about? What's going on? What's on your heart? And those parents, you have younger kids, you know, sometimes the prayer requests are kind of off the wall, okay? But it's on their heart. And show them it's important to take these things to God. As they get older, those things can become a little more sophisticated and things they're struggling with or things they got going on at school. And then, not only that, but I would encourage you to share with your child, here's something you could pray for me about. I think sometimes we don't want to do that, right? Because, oh, you know, I, I don't want to, you need to do that. We, have, we need to do that. We need to show our kids, I need prayer just as much as you do. Would you please pray for me? And then show them what prayer is. What is prayer? At its basis form, prayer is talking to our Heavenly Father. So when you sit on the edge of that bed, or you sit on the edge of your bed, or you sit at the table, or wherever it is, before you're spending time praying with them, it doesn't have to be some stiff Sunday morning pastoral prayer. God delights in just hearing from His children. And we can take delight in talking to Him. And listen, I think I have to say the, you know, the other side of it. Don't, we don't need to be sacrilegious about this, but, but we can be real, just like you're talking to anybody else. You're talking to God. And understand that prayer is alive. So I would challenge you, when you pray, don't just say the same thing every time. We, we talk about that with our kids all the time, you know, because our kids get into that habit. You know, I, I get in that habit if I'm not careful. Go, thank you for the day. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And it's like the same things over and over again. I mean, if, if you saw somebody day after day and day after day that said the exact same things to you, right? You'd be like, oh, that's weird. You know, <laughs> that's weird, man. I mean, there's some certain things we're going to talk about every time, you know, we probably see each other. It's from things that, that, are, that are common to human uh, living and going by our lives. But, but we kind of, we vary the, those conversations, when we talk to God, it's living, it's alive. It's, yeah, we have some ongoing things. We have some things that we want to praise God for, we want to ask God for, but then there's other things that come up. When we supposed to be specific. Hey, God, thanks for doing this today. Thanks for that. Thanks for, could you help me with this and that? And just talking to God. And you'll find that prayer knits the hearts of people together. You will be amazed how much praying together does to open your relationship and help you grasp the hearts of your kids. And I'm telling you, especially you know if you're, if you're struggling in that relationship and you begin to pray together, prayer does something to your relationship. It changes the dynamic of that. You are coming into the presence of God together. It's a powerful thing. I, and I say that if you're going to do this, make every effort to make this a consistent thing. Um, as parents, I, I, I know, okay, because I live this, okay? I, you, know, you get real excited, you start something. Hey, we're going to do this every night. And it goes for like two nights, and then something happens. And you're like, well, maybe we'll get to it next week, right? Be consistent. If you miss a night, say, hey, we miss a night. We're going to get right back on it tomorrow. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And if you've never done this before, if you've never sat down and individually, one-on-one with your kids, pray with them on a consistent basis, just prepare yourself. It's going to be awkward the first few times you do it. It's going to be like, well, what's this? You know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it? Because God says prayer is important. We're going to do it together. Because, because I want you to pray with me. Listen, I mean, I have little kids and, and when they were little, you know, we would do this with them when they were babies, I, you know, and That's awkward sometimes. They just kinda like here you are, just praying. You know, they don't say much. But you have to be consistent and do it. So number one, how do we grasp parts through prayer? Number two, through time. We live in a very busy world. Our teens are busy. Our lives are busy. And, And and here's the thing relationships, building relationships with people takes time. Um, one of the things I've talked about on a probably ad nauseum level since I've been here is this idea of, of, of developing real, deep, meaningful relationships with people. That's something I'm passionate about. That's something as a church we need to do. We need to develop and cultivate these relationships within our own body and with our community if we're going to make a difference for Christ. And one of the things you have to understand is you, you can't microwave real relationships and just because they are your children doesn't mean they need less time. Your teens need you. And they don't need you just, well, here and there and every once in a while. And They need your quality time. And so make time for your child that, is, that, are, that, is, that falls under these types of categories. One, something that's one-on-one. And again, this doesn't have to happen every day, okay? But I'm just saying, you need to make time for your kids where it's just you and them. They get time with you. They have, it's a personal touch. They have freedom to just express some things to you uh, that they are important to you. Make time for your kids that are, that's frequent. Uh, again, I think um, if you're trying to, to set up some one-on-one time with your kids, Set up a frequent thing like, hey, we're going to do this once a week or once every two weeks. Something that's easy so that if you miss it, it's, you, you can get back in the routine. You know, it's really hard if you're like, okay, now, when, when, the, when the, wo- the moon is waxing on the third Thursday of that month, then that's our time to get together. And if you miss it, you're like, okay, when's the next one? All right? That's why I say, hey, if you can do it every week or every couple of weeks so you know when that pattern is, so if something came up and you had to miss it or reschedule it, it'd be easy to do. And not and not just a few times a year when, hey, you know, I was kinda of noticing that the tank's on empty there. I need to go and, and kind of encourage them because they're feeling low. We shouldn't wait till them to spend time with our kids. It's too late. We need to do it on a frequent basis. Number three, make it time that's focused. When you sit down with your kid, with your child, your teen, to spend time with them. That is not a time for you to check your email or your text messages or your social media. And and frankly, on a regular basis, it's not a time to watch TV either. Hey, we're spending time together watching a football game. You know, every Sunday, this is our time. There's something else going on. It is a time to interact, to relate, to laugh. Okay, it's a time to do what we call have a human relationship. That's what you're doing. Number 4 make it a time that's spirit led. I would ask God to guide the conversation and to be in tune to these things. And if you have a bunch of distractions going on, that's going to hinder that that sense of the Holy Spirit. Make it a time that's what I say is threat free. When you get together one-on-one with your teen, spend time with them to get to know them. This is not a time for discipline. This is not a time for parental lectures. Those those things are necessary, and they have their time and place. But this is a time that you're trying to build this relationship with your teenager. It's not a time to say, well, I'm glad we're together. i got some things I want to talk to you about. Guess what? You're going to have a really hard time getting them to open up and connect with you. Hey, we set this time aside to, to spend time together. Make it a time that's flexible. Hey, you know, today I got half an hour. I got an hour. I got two. I got three hours. Hey, you know what? Maybe once a year, a couple times a year, you say, I set aside a half a day or a whole day off of work, and we're going to go, we're going to spend some time together. I know we normally just get together here and there, you know, for a short amount of time. We don't have that much time, but I want to make some time to be with you. Maybe it's just, hey, we got We got an hour, we got half an hour before you got to be at practice. Let's spend some time. And make it something, I say, make it something fun. If you have a teenager, you've probably found out they really love to have fun. So, hey, cash in on that. And you know what, parents? Don't take yourself too seriously. You and I, we have a tendency to do that, right? Enjoy the time, laugh. Make it something where you're serving. Sometimes it could be, you know, not every time, but sometimes serving the Lord together. Um, I, I still, to this day, for whatever reason, it's one of those things that sticks in my head. My dad and I did a lot of things together off and on growing up. One of the things I remember we did is we went over to my granddad's house and we helped him put siding up on on his house. Yeah, that was real fun, right? You look at that you're like, wasn't that really fun? It was hot. It was Atlanta, okay? <laughs> Well, you know what he taught me? Hey, your granddad needs some help. We're gonna go serve. We're gonna go. We're gonna go work together. Sure, it's a Saturday and I'm off today, but this is what this is what's important in life. And then make it something. It goes back again to, to consistency. It does not have to be fancy, fabulous, or foreign, but it needs to be consistent. So we spend time. We 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 seek to grasp the hearts of our kids through. Prayer through spending time with them. Number three um, is is laughter. Believe it or not. Look what the Bible says: Proverbs fifteen, fifteen and seventeen twenty-two. Uh, sorry, my slides went way forward. There we go. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who has a merry heart has a continual feast. Proverbs seventeen twenty-two: A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit. Dries the bones. My father-in-law is a pharmacist. That's his life verse, I think, right there. Mary Hart does good like medicine. Teens love to laugh. They see humor in a lot of things. So I encourage you, laugh with your kids. Laugh with your teens. It breaks down walls. And more than that, I'd say, hey, you and I, we got to teach them what to laugh at. There are some things in life. There are a lot of things in this world we live in that are not worth laughing at. They're not worthy of our time. They're not worthy of entertainment. There are some attitudes that we take towards other people that aren't worth laughing at. We do not cut down other people in order to make a joke. We don't disparage other people in order to make other people laugh. We have to teach our kids what's appropriate to laugh at. You know what? In the meantime, be willing to laugh at yourself. You'll find out as, you, as your kids get older, as, you, as you're raising them, they um, they don't always get that lesson right away. They don't really like laughing, people laughing at something that happened. You know, because things happen and they're funny, right? Um, so, hey, be willing to laugh at yourself, even if not everybody else in, in your family has learned that. I mean, you as a dad, as a mom, you got to show that. Hey, it's okay. Things happen. Let's laugh. We have to pray. We need to spend time. We laugh. And number four, we encourage. Proverbs fifteen twenty three. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Proverbs twenty five eleven. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Ephesians 4, 29, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Encourage your kids. Good parents. Jay, you might have to help me out here, man. Good parents help their children know when they have done wrong. I said this last week. We talked about, about, parent, about bringing our kids up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Good parents help their children know when they have done wrong, but godly parents help their children also know when they have done right. And I talked about that with reinforcing in our kids when they make good decisions. That we should affirm those things and praise those right decisions and encourage them to make those decisions and and to follow those actions. Show them, hey, I'm proud of you for that. You know, one person said this. You know, try a, a ten to one ratio. Every time you give a rebuke, look for ten positive ways then to 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 aff- to to encourage your kids. Some of you go, ooh, that's going to be hard, right? Hey, way to step up those stairs, you know. Some days are worse than others. I get it. Okay, but we we got to seek to encourage our kids' hearts, and as we we grasp their hearts, then secondly tonight we seek to guide those hearts, because our goal as parents is to teach our children to love God, and as we gain their heart. We must guide that heart to God. That was important to the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 verses 6 through 9, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. What is what is Moses teaching the people of Israel? He's saying that the way you live should, communi- should communicate the truth of God to your children. It should not be unusual for you to talk about the things of God to your kids in just a normal everyday setting and context. This should be normal conversation. We guide them, we, we push them back to God and to the scriptures. Joshua 4 Verses 20 through 24. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until they had crossed over, as your Lord God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This passage, um, I ran across this passage um, several years ago when I was teaching through the book of Joshua with our teens in our youth group, and has never left me. Here the children of Israel have, have crossed over the Jordan River with Joshua into the promised land. And literally, Joshua says, okay, now, I want you to go into the river, and I want you to pick up these stones, these rocks. I want you to bring them over and make a pile of rocks. And literally, this is what it was. It was so that when you're walking down the road, and you're walking through the promised land, years later, after God has delivered them, and the kid looks over and sees a pile of rocks, if you have kids, you know this is what comes next. Hey, what's that pile of rocks for? Right? Because kids like to ask questions. You can say, you know why that pile of rocks is there? Because that pile of rocks came out of the middle of the Jordan River. When God parted the rivers, because he's the mighty God, he's the guy, God who led us out of Egypt. He parted the river so we could walk into the promised land. And more than that, he parted the Red Sea over 40 years ago. So we could walk through the Red Sea. It was a practical way to remind the people of Israel who God is and what he's done. And to, to continue to teach that to the next generation. Our goal as parents is to guide our teens to God. The teen years are the laboratory for adulthood and you are now the instructor. It will not be long before your teenagers have to make very adult decisions about their lives. So what are the characteristics of a good instructor? The first one is that we need to be open and approachable. Do your teens feel like They have the freedom to ask you anything, anytime, anywhere. And I'm not talking about do they feel like they can question your authority in in your lives. But can they ask you genuine questions about things that are going on? A kid's favorite word is, I heard it, is why. How many of you get to ask that a lot, right? Why? And suddenly, the older your kids get... That old parent phrase, well, because I said so, that doesn't cut it much anymore. Hey, why do we do X, Y, Z? Are you prepared to say, well, the Bible says, so this is why we do. We need to have a biblical reason for why we do what we do. A lot of questions are raised in the teen years. Some of those are around very uncomfortable topics. But we need to want our teens to ask us. And if every question that we just don't feel like answering or seems difficult or hard turns into a lecture or it gets a curt reply, they will stop being asked of you. I did not say they were going to stop asking questions, but they're no longer going to ask you those questions. And that's a scary thought. Because who are they asking? Their friends? The internet, there's a lot of scary stuff out there. So we need to be open and approachable that our kids can ask us questions. I taught teens for years that, and I've said it here, when you read your Bible, you gotta ask questions. Hey, why, so what, what do I do with that? How do I apply that to my life? We gotta say, hey, we want you to ask so we can help you understand these things. Number two, um, we need to be transparent are you willing to admit when you're wrong there's nothing that we that you that, that I struggle with more probably than someone who thinks they got it all figured out cuz i certainly don't <laughs> when you think you have all the answers that's when we fail hey, i get it you don't have perfect kids but your kids don't have perfect parents And if you do something wrong, you got to admit it and ask forgiveness. And I'm telling you, it's not going to bring you down in their eyes, but it's actually going to build you up. Hey, guess what? Mom and dad sin, and here's how you deal with sin. That's being consistent, by the way. That's what you expect out of them, so that's what you do. And I'll tell you right now, uh, teenagers especially, they spot inconsistency and fake a mile away. So we need to be transparent about these things. Number three, we need to provide contextualization. That's what a good instructor does. Okay, now, teens lack contextualization big time. Okay? They come home from school or they get done with their school for the day. Hey, how was the test? Oh, I failed the test. Man, I just fail at life. Okay, whoa, right? How do we get from chemistry to all of life that you just failed, right? Why? There's no contextualization. Or you hear things like, nobody likes me, right? You ever heard these big phrases come out of your, your kids' mouths? You're like, man, there is no context there, right? One thing went wrong. We need to provide contextualization and stability because why? Because, because God is stable and unchanging. Therefore, we point them back to him. But if we overreact and we create an unstable environment, that's going to aggravate that in our teams. They need to help. They need help seeing things from God's perspective. And lastly, what does a good instructor do? A good instructor provides support. We need to help them with struggles by helping them work through things in a biblical manner. And you know what? Providing support is also having well-defined boundaries and expectations. Go back to the, the classroom, the instructor picture. You know, it's really helpful when you're sitting in a classroom setting and a professor or a teacher says, okay, here are the expectations, here are the boundaries of what you can and can't do and this and that. Our kids need that from us as well. We support them with those things. But then it's also helping apply truths and work through the issues that they're facing. As a parent, it's really easy to want to come in and fix everything. You see something going on, and you know it's wrong, and and you know this and that, and you heard this from this parent and that and that. Okay, I'm just going to come in. I'm going to fix the situation. That's not what we should do. Now, we're not going to leave them to themselves, like throw them to the wolves here, right? You're still the parent. But if the, if the teen years really are the laboratory for adulthood, then we need to help them work through those things. So when they have struggles with friends, when they have hurt, when they have issues with authority, you need to help them biblically work through. How do we work through this issue? What does the Bible say? Don't join in with the sin. Don't join in with the the gossip or whatever else may happen. Well, you know, they're just like that. No, no, no. But but contextualize. Go back to the word of God. Support them in that. Show them what scripture says and how it applies. And you know what? They may be the one who's wrong. So go back to transparency and they need to know how to deal with that. And they learn that from us. I have one more point. Uh, guarding the hearts of our kids. And I'm going to save that for next week um, before our business meeting because I want to take the time to make sure we really um, have the time to work through this. But tonight, let's take this away with us, that, that we're seeking to grasp and guide the hearts of our kids, that we're seeking to um, show them we want them to follow us, and, love us and, 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 and follow God, and then we guide them to our God. So keep your hand out if you can. Until next time, if not, we'll have some for you, um, and we'll pick up next week before our business meeting. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for the day you've given us and the opportunity to be here tonight and study your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to um, establish and, uh, and and continue to build godly homes. And we pray that you would help us in the world we live in to be light and testimony to others around us of what it means to follow God. Help us to be a testimony to our kids of how important it is to follow God with our lives. Help us to make you the most important thing. And help us to guide our kids to you. Lord, we pray that you'd work in the hearts of our kids and our teens, that you would get a hold of them, that we would see a generation long to serve you and follow you. Lord, be with us this week. Help us to honor you and glorify you in all said and done. In name we pray, amen.